In part, this is why feminists are the most miserable of all people. Just think of the women who have banked their whole existence on being able to shake their assets. But now that their assets have depreciated in value, they're very upset about it. The Godly Troublemaker Podcast. Introduction. Up in the club. Just broke up. I'm doing my own little thing. You decided to dip. And now you want a trip. Because another brother noticed me. I'm up on him. He up on me. Don't pay him any attention. Because I cried my tears for three good years. You can't be mad at me. Because if you liked it, then you should have put a ring on it. If you liked it, then you should have put a ring on it. Don't be mad once you see that he want it. Because if you liked it, then you should have put a ring on it. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, 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 Thus far, the lyrical brilliance of Beyonce. Hilariously, this song is sung as an anthem for the single ladies, as a proclamation of validation. You don't have a man, and you don't need a man, all the while being up in the club, shaking your butt, trying to get the attention of men. She gets the attention of one man, whom she is up on and he be up on her, which is satisfactory for her because apparently her old man, with which there was mutual up onings, is also at the same club noticing her being up on and being uponed. And he is tripping because she is doing her own little thing, which apparently she expects different results this time through. The whole scene is like a bunch of animals humping each other at the zoo, which is incredibly tame compared to the crap that is released today, like anything by Cardi B, because evidently the more vulgar and descriptively a woman can sing about her vagina, the more empowering it is to women everywhere. However, all the single ladies and every song like it betrays itself. It's meant to be an anthem but it's really a sneak peek into the soul. She is single, unwanted, and unmarried, which is what she really wants, which is why she finds herself in the endless cycle of butt-shaking at the club. What she really wants is to have a man love her so much that he is willing to give up himself for her in covenant for life, to not only be her lover, but also to be her protector and provider, thus providing a household and a safe space to be a mom and to make babies and to have dominion through helping her husband, which is what she was made for. Not only has she reduced her value to the price of a loaf of bread, but so too any man that wants to shop at that bakery. And let's be entirely honest with ourselves, shall we? Feminism is an absolute noxious cancer that has reduced the value and worth of a woman to her ability to go up in the club and to get any guy to dry hump her on the dance floor, which, just FYI, is not hard, all the while crying about not being married i.e. having a ring on it. We are not just sliding down a grease slide culturally. We've shot right out the end of it like Taco Bell out the tailpipe. And women and children are the primary recipients. But it's cool because women feel empowered by singing about it. And because the male owner of the record label is making a lot of money off of it. Take that, patriarchy. We showed you by whoring ourselves out for free. If you wanted it, you should have put a ring on it. 
What a base and empty existence. One may be tempted to even call it weightless. Well, in fact, one just did. Recently, Chelsea Handler, who is a comedian that no one laughs with but only at, released a video celebrating her child-free life as a 48-year-old woman who can easily pass for a young 58-year-old woman because apparently the stress-free life of multiple abortions and prescription drugs is good on the body. In this video, she says, which is supposed to be funny, quote, This is a day in the life of a childless woman. I wake up at 6 a.m. Remember that I have no kids to take to school. I take an edible, masturbate, and go back to sleep. I wake up at 12.30 p.m. and get ready for a busy day of doing whatever the F I feel like. I put on my most impractical and stylish shoes, since I won't be chasing a child around the grocery store, and go to my favorite spot in Paris to grab a croissant. I do a meditation session on the plane, and since I have no screaming kids, it allows me all the time in the world to become enlightened. The weightlessness of my existence has granted me superpowers. I teleport myself back home and get ready for a night out with whatever hot guy I meet on Raya that morning. I call up a babysitter and tell her I don't need her since I still don't have any kids. Weightlessness not only describes her existence perfectly, but every woman who willingly goes down this route, a route that is entirely opposed to God's will and is contrary to nature, thus enslaving themselves to a life devoid of substance, which is meaningless and valueless and weightless. Thank you, feminism. Thank you. Vagina hats, tranny models, man ponds, and the patriarchy. In 2017, feminists from all over our country descended upon Washington, D.C. to celebrate the National Women's March. Many were there to show that women are every bit as much of a man as men are and that they refuse to be commodified into component parts. They wanted the world to know, and certainly the wicked patriarchy to know, that they are more than just a pretty face, a nice rack, or a nice bum in order to illustrate that women should be taken seriously and shouldn't be commodified, they wore vagina hats. Patriarchy smashed. Mission accomplished. Well done, ladies. Well done. All this to say that sin makes you stupid, and rebelling against nature makes you stupid. Like, I don't know, protesting the commodification of your body by wearing a vagina hat. Now, another stellar achievement of feminism in recent years, and no, I'm not talking about making tampons available in male restrooms. We'll just call those manpons. No, no, no. I'm talking about the great advancements that Victoria's Secret has made for womankind everywhere. Victoria's Secret sells super skimpy underpants for women. They have taken heat for this in years past for objectifying women. In order to let the public know that they take criticism seriously and to show that they are actually about female empowerment and not objectification and stuff, they decided to fix this perception problem. How did they do that, one might ask? Well, instead of changing, cleaning up their marketing, particularly through the commercials, and their merchandising, particularly in storefront windows and public venues, or like adding fabric to their line of dental floss. 
Nope. They decided to be much more inclusive, like get woke bro inclusivity. Changes I just proposed would have made sense a few years ago, but definitely not now. We've learned from the mistakes of the past. Thanks, Boomer. All this to say that when you rebel against God's good design for men and women and God's good design for human sexuality, you get stupidity on a level that would make John Fetterwoman blush. Let us just call this woke tartary, or perhaps more specifically, femme tartary. The fact of the matter is, when you set out to exalt and empower women, apart from the standard of God's word, you will inevitably end up defiling, debasing, and devaluing women because your starting point is perverse. All that is feminine should be loved and protected by men so that it can flourish under male headship and care. Hypothetically speaking, let's just call this patriarchy. Just a little term I'm making up on the fly, but I think it works. The patriarchy is like a protective fence. Maybe we'll call it a wall around your property. When you remove that, it's not just that what is special and valuable and precious can get out. It's also that all the wolves can get in and... My grandma, what big teeth you have. Vagina hats, tranny models, man ponds, and the like all originated somewhere. Perhaps it was when that nice little old lady with massive teeth told Little Red Riding Hood that she was a slave if she wanted to stay home and raise her children while her husband provided for the family, but she was free when she serves her boss and gives her life to him as a wage slave. Raising your children is one thing, but smashing the glass ceiling? That's a legacy. And I love that women feel comfortable celebrating their feminine beauty in the workplace with shoulder pads and dyke dues and lady pantsuits. In part, this is why feminists are the most miserable of all people. The devil never delivers on his promises. They drank from the devil's cup. Now they have to see the devil's din. Just think of the women who have banked their whole existence on being able to shake their assets. But now that their assets have depreciated in value, they're very upset about it. We could think of any number of actresses or musicians desperately trying to get people's attention in order to validate their existence, or the endless number of women who climbed the corporate ladder only to find themselves alone at the top of it, with the air getting increasingly thin, and now that their ovaries have dried up, they're forced to mother their staffs who don't care about them at all. What God has designed for women is so much better, fuller richer, more influential, and impactful. Quote, For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man was not formed from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. 1 Corinthians 11, 7-9 Woman, then, is the glory of the glory. But her glory is a complementary glory. Her glory is compound interest upon her husband's glory, which means she is designed to compound glory in relationship to man, particularly one man, her husband, making both more glorious in covenantal union than either could be individually, thus multiplying their ability and capacity for dominion. Woman is a glory multiplier, but she is a glory multiplier in her very ability to function as she was designed to. 
to be. Her glory is not found in her acting like a man, but rather like a woman. She was designed as a helper and not a head. She was designed for companionship, for marriage, and for making babies. This is her glory, dominion, and influence. And the home is ground zero in the war for the cosmos, and women are at the very center of it. John Angel James explains, Quote, Every woman, whether rich or poor, married or single, has an influence within which, according to her character, she is exerting a certain amount of power for good or harm. Every woman, by her virtue or her vice, by her wisdom or her folly, by her dignity or her levity, is adding something to our national elevation or degradation. As long as female virtue is prevalent, upheld by one sex and respected by the other, a nation cannot sink very low in the scale of ignominy by plunging into the depths of vice. End quote. Yes, men were created to rule. And yes, men are absolutely responsible for either abdicating this duty or abusing this duty. They are 100% responsible in every way that they have sinned and rebelled against what God has designed for them. However, the converse is also true regarding the nature and design of women. When women rebel against this, not only do they rob themselves of all the joy God has designed for them, but they also inevitably curse their homes and the nation because of the role of helper and influencer. If Cardi B's hit song, WAP, is any indicator as to where we are on the scale of ignominy, I'd be tempted to say that we are screwed. If women want to be honored and respected and valued, then they should act in an honorable way, which means there needs to be a standard with which to conform to. And that standard can only be determined by the Creator and not by the creation. If women rebel against this, it will have a degrading and defiling effect across the board. It's hard to have any degree of credibility in bashing the patriarchy and decrying the perverseness of masculinity while being all up in the club, shaking your butt and complaining that men act like dogs or like a woman who goes to the gym so the twins can get some air and she can show off her derriere and then is very upset when men stare at the very derriere that she is sticking up in the air. I think it's third Peter. I'm not really sure that says, if you don't want to be treated like a whore, then don't act and dress like a whore. Oh, I'm paraphrasing, of course. Again, from John Angel James, quote, to a certain extent, woman is the conservator of her nation's welfare. Her virtue, if firm and uncorrupted, will stand sentinel over that of the empire. Law, justice, liberty, and the arts all contribute, of course, to the well-being of a nation. Beneficial influence flows in from various springs, and innumerable contributors may be at work, each laboring in his vocations for his country's well. But let the general tone of female morals be low, and all will be rendered nugatory, while at the other hand, the universal prevalence of womanly intelligence and virtue will swell the streams of civilization to its highest level, impregnate it with the richest qualities, and wide is fertility over the widest surface. A community is not likely to be overthrown where woman fulfills her mission, for by the power of her noble heart over the hearts of others, she will raise it from its ruins and restore it again to prosperity and joy. Here then, beyond the circle of wedded life as well as within it, 
is no doubt part of woman's mission, and in an important one it is. Her field is social life. Her object is social happiness. Her reward is social gratitude and respect. If one wanted to argue that the primary responsibility for the degradation of women in our culture falls on men, I would wholeheartedly agree. And I have said so repeatedly, emphatically, unapologetically, and publicly, which is why I never tire of declaring the virtues and necessity of a godly patriarchy as God's good design for men and the home and the church and society as a whole. But women are also very much responsible for the role they play in the degradation of women. Now, if one wanted to argue that there will always be women who will use their sexual wiles to manipulate and control, or just base women, or self-deprecating women that will pursue the passions of the flesh, I would very much agree. But I would also say that we would all be much better off if that were the exception and not the norm. And I would emphatically add that those women would be much more likely to become the exception if we pursued and exalted the norms of what God has designed for women. Conclusion Since I've quoted John Angel James twice already, perhaps it would be fitting to close with another quote. However, before I do, I want to stress the importance of what is actually being said here. It is one thing to expose the insanity of our culture. And to be entirely honest, that's low-hanging fruit today. It's another thing entirely to have a constructive alternative standard to point people to. Fortunately, we have that in God's Word, and it is glorious. God is not only the author of life, He is the author of human sexuality and gender roles, and what He has designed is good, and when we rebel against that, there is devastating consequences that have a compounding generational impact. Quote, If I am right to the nature of woman's mission, I cannot err to the proper sphere of it. If she was created for man— and not only for the race of man, but for one man then. The easy and necessary inference is that home is a proper scene of woman's action and influence. There are few terms in the language around which cluster so many blissful associations as that delight of every heart, the word home. The Elysium of love, the nursery of virtue, the garden of enjoyment, the temple of concord, the circle of all tender relationships, the playground of childhood, the dwelling of manhood, the retreat of age, where health loves to enjoy its pleasures, wealth revels in its luxuries, and poverty bears its rigors, where sickness can best endure its pain, and dissolving nature expire, which throws its spell over those who are within its charmed circle, and even sends its attractions across oceans and continents, drawing to itself the thoughts and wishes of the man who wanders from it to the antipods. This home, sweet home, is the sphere of wedded woman's mission. End quote.